welcome to the Hell Project podcast. This is where I share all of the results of the research and reading that I've done on the doctrine of hell over the last few years. Uh, I defend the view that uh, without Jesus, we are all dead. Uh, This is the view called conditionalism, and I believe there's better news in it than the traditional understanding of hell. And I try to defend that here. The audio quality may not be that high as it's taken off my YouTube channel and unfortunately some of the streams do have technical glitches but I hope that you stick with it and uh, do let me know what you think, share, uh, get involved through Twitter or even comment on my YouTube channel. I look forward to hearing back from you. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Hell Project. I've got Dan Page with me in a moment. We're going to talk about changing your mind on hell. So Dan uh, used to teach eternal conscious torment and believe in it. And uh, over the last little while, we'll find out how long in a moment, he uh, recognized that there might be a better story or at least a different one. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss that as well. And uh, so I'm going to bring Dan onto the view now. So hello, Dan. Hey, uh, Phil. Nice to have you on the channel. Um, Good to be so, with you. Uh, we've been chatting for a little while, and uh, I know a decent amount of, of your story, and it's been a pleasure getting to know you over the little while. Um, in as quick a summary as you can, maybe uh, yeah. two minutes, uh-huh. What's your before we get into this hell stuff, what's your story uh, with regards to Christianity? How, how have you become a Christian? How do you yeah. remain a Christian? Um yeah, a couple of minutes, and uh, well, that'll help I'm, me test the levels on sound as well. Yeah, I know enough now to say God's grace and God's grace. That's how I became a Christian. That's how I stay a Christian. But before I was a Christian, yeah, raised in a family, uh, youngest of five boys here in Northeast Ohio, and uh, no God, no Bible, no prayer, no church, no nothing. Um, my dad uh, left when I was 12, left my mom, left us, uh, didn't abandon us, but but they divorced. And uh, for the rest of that time, I found my identity in something that I was getting pretty good at, playing the trumpet. Uh, did that, wound up doing that professionally for a little while. Lots of opportunities, lots of, of things that way. And then as I was pursuing a degree in, in trumpet performance and thought that would be my life track, uh, I, I started asking the big questions after a bad experience in Florida with drugs. I was doing drugs, pretty strung out, alcohol, uh, not strong enough to things be a mess. That experience, I, I, asked, I started asking these questions sincerely. Who am I? How did I get here? What happens when you die? Is there a God? Is the Bible true? What about Jesus or Buddha or astral projection or whatever. And because I was, I look back on that and I was sincere in my heart about wanting to know whatever the truth was, that put me on a collision course with Jesus Christ, of course. I didn't know that at that time. So shortly thereafter, my mom becomes a Christian. She starts telling me all about Jesus. Uh, I I was sincerely seeking, and it was May 31st, 1982, about 11 o'clock in the morning. I'd been reading a book by C.S. Lewis and the Gospel of John, John 14, 6, when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Um, and I realized, yikes, he's just painted himself into a corner. Uh, and uh, he either is or isn't. And then I got to John 17, 3, as I continued to read. 
sitting in that chair, 3872 North Kirtland Road in the living room. I remember right where I was, right when it was, when I was rescued. And uh, I read these words, and this is eternal life. And I remember putting the Bible down because I realized very clearly, I don't know what it is, so I'm pretty sure I don't have it. Bring it on. And then I picked the Bible back up and read these words, that you that they may know you are the one true Father in Jesus Christ whom you sent. And I realized I didn't. And I got down on my knees, prayed something out loud, don't remember it, uh, but it was sincere. I want to know you. I want to love you. I hear you love me. My mom tells me you're real. Whatever happened, uh, God met me there. And then this is a big part of that moment. I stood up. This is, you know, 1982. And this is the, these are the words that went through my, my mind. You just did the most right thing a person can ever do. And I couldn't have made that sentence up. That was God speaking to me. So, uh, and it's his grace that's kept me since. That's it, brother. Yeah. Pastor, never thought I'd be a pastor, never thought I'd be a Christian. Never knew I'd be talking with you. <laughs> but I'm grateful <laughs> for all of the above. Amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's such a good story. And it's so good to to see how God's grace has brought you this, this far. Mm. And I always love hearing uh, the story of, of salvation and, and journey with, with God. It's yeah, it's, it's exciting. I, I love I love hearing those stories. Um, so tell me a little bit about your your church. What kind of church is it? Uh, what um, what flavor of church uh, do you lead? Well, it's uh, it's non denominational. I'm not anti denominational. Uh, it's just what it is. Uh, the way we uh, say it these days is our our desire is to be. Uh, a Christ-centered, Bible-believing, biblically-functioning community of believers, um, committed to loving God, loving our neighbor, and making disciples. That's that's it. Uh, just this morning with the men's group, uh, I was reminded of the phrase, methods are many, principles few, methods always change, principles never do. How we do church, I think, is more negotiable than we might be comfortable with, but that we do church is non-negotiable. And the fellowship and the teaching, breaking bread, all that. So it's a non-denominational community church in uh, in the fair city of Stowe, Ohio, which is uh, a little bit north of Akron and, and quite a bit south of Cleveland here in northeast Ohio. Amazing. So yeah. for the, how long have you been a pastor there? I've been there since 2000. I, I, I started a full-time, vocational full-time ministry in 1989. No, no, okay. So... Throughout your time there, how often has the topic of hell come up? Well, uh, yeah, that's a great question. And as I look back on it, I think in the introduction you said I, I believed it and I taught it. <clears throat> and I did in the sense that I just figured it's what everybody believes, so I have to teach it. Uh, I was never comfortable with it, always, uh, uh, always struggled with the concept of eternal torment, let alone torture. Does does the Bible really say that? So uh, I guess it came up when we were, uh, you know, preaching through scriptures that mentioned it. And uh, so, yeah, it, it just it especially because for so long, I believe now that I misunderstood it. So then I misrepresented it, even as I attempted to communicate it, uh, it. it it's uh, it's always been a challenge. So I don't know how many times in the last 20 years, more than 20 for sure. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I'm not I'm not sure how many times in sermons it's come up 
for discussions too. Just you know, it's it's messy, man. It really is, and I, I just I'm always interested. I, and I didn't even prep you with that question, so I appreciate you answering it. But the no, that's fine. The way that that I mean, there is grace in, and even just the four years I help, I'm been helping with the church that I help lead here in Guildford. There's clearly things that I've got wrong. <laughs> There's clearly things that I've probably been overly passionate about and probably shouldn't be, and then things that I probably haven't been passionate enough about. Um, but then also there is grace that God allows us to to preach from His Word, and we pray that His Spirit works through us and changes lives as they hear the yeah. Word. And that, yeah. uh, I mean, it's it's been very much a habit of mine to pray that. Anything that's not mine is forgotten. <laughs> Anything that's not his yeah. is forgotten. Anything that's mine is is uh, yeah not not clung on to, not clung on to. Um, and and it's a fascinating thing that God wants to speak through His Word through us. <laughs> that's the yes. that's His method of delivery uh, at times. And yeah, it's, that's it's what strange Paul told Timothy. You know uh, that. Yes, it's the gospel is the message, and Christ is the king. And But these secondary and significant issues, when the church, I, I became a Christian on a Monday, and then I wound up literally calling the church on a Sunday, asking, do you have services today? They probably thought it was a prank call. I mean, I, I, wasn't, I had no background. And um, it was a Wesleyan Arminian church, and I'm no longer Wesleyan Arminian in my theology. Uh, so... Greater light, greater understanding, different perspectives. And what we have to do as believers is acknowledge, if in Christ we agree, there's a great song that Steve Green here sings called Let the Walls Come Down. <clears throat> if in Christ we agree, let us seek unity. Let the walls, let the walls come down. It's like, do we have this litmus test? Do you believe in eternal security, right? Uh, speaking in tongues, you've spoken in tongues since you, when you were filled with the Holy Spirit, right? King James Version only, right? <laughs> that's, not, that's not apples to apples. But... But, um, yeah, the millennial, the, the millennium, you know, the, the security of the believer, I already said that, that these, we can fight over these things we see differently. And yet, we have to be willing to say there are some things about which I could be wrong. And doctrine is meant to divide. There are some, some issues that are non-negotiable, but views on them need to be acknowledged and we still need to love each other. Yeah. Amen. Um, definitely, and that's that's definitely the heart behind this project as well. Um, that yeah. There's significant disagreement. I do find that my empathy can <laughs> switch depending on how well or how softly presented uh, the, the doctrine mm. of hell might be, or at least yeah, how heartfelt. Um, yeah. Someone's really trying to share the gospel. They're teaching it as best they can, and um, are earnest. <laughs> I think I have. Right. I hope I have more empathy in that. It's when it's. Um, I, I find it hard to bring empathy into the equation when it's someone who's a seasoned preacher, pastor, dug into the Bible for decades. But then at the same time, <laughs> some people are just. I mean, you, you've been preaching for for twenty years, and that's here you are, and and so we're always learning, and it's it's. A, a great reminder for people like me who 
put projects together that can sometimes come across as potentially undermining other Christians. Um, just to continue to be grace-filled, loving, we're working through the Bible together. And actually, when it comes to the doctrine of hell, although some make it a primary issue, I genuinely believe that it's it's not. Otherwise, I think many people over the centuries would be, uh, yeah, very wrong. <laughs> so, um, Maybe even bordering on uh, uh, you can't be saved if you don't believe this a certain way. I remember when I, yeah. when I first... Um, went public I was uh it was blowback and uh I had mentioned a website you and I both are very aware of and grateful for the rethinking hell website and uh, a dear brother who I knew at that first church just uh you know pounced on me uh on Facebook and um and I and I said well just just you know maybe someday just you know consider perusing this this great website called Rethinking Hell, and his response back to me, I, I can just imagine him on the keyboard, because I do that sometimes, maybe, I don't know, but uh, I don't, I try not to, but uh, he just wrote back and said, there's nothing to rethink, and so that, uh, you know, and that's the thing about having a teachable uh, uh, spirit, and acknowledging uh, the question will never be what what do you the, the primary question will never be what do you i or anyone or any movement or group believe and teach the primary question always has been is and always will be what's the truth because opinions and perspectives come and go yep. and on this thing where people can disagree we need to disagree with grace and say here's why i believe what i believe I'm not trying to win an argument so much as as embrace whatever the truth is. And this is what I truly believe about the truth based on God's word primarily. And uh, so that's been a big part of my journey. Um, I don't know. Uh, would it be, I mentioned this before, this thing I put together for Facebook. Would this, could, would this be something just to share or should or not. Yeah, maybe. And I just realized we've been talking about your change of mind, but we haven't really talked about from what or two. So... Um, Maybe what we can do very quickly is, so maybe people can assume if they've been watching the Hell Project for a little while that we that I hold to conditionism, uh, the view that, well, basically without mm -hmm. Jesus, we're all dead. <laughs> it's basically the, the yes. short, that there's I love the way you say that. <laughs> and that was a big part of helping me. That was like just driving the nail home as I was, the cognitive dissonance in my mind, like how can this be after all I've been told and what I believe. And just the, I remember seeing a video where you said that at the end. And, uh, and I, with you, I really believe that's what the Bible says. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's very much it. That there's, there's, we die, there's resurrection, there's judgment, and there's eternal life and new creation, or you're dead. <laughs> and and with Christ, you can be assured that you are uh, in life in God, and his consuming fire will not consume. Um, but we'll refine and bless and, and purify as... as it, yeah, so so many verses to, to talk through on that, um, but that, that's in summary. So... Mm -hmm. Maybe we can talk about what you what you posted, but before before we do that, what aside from finding rethinking hell and conditional immortality, did you just stumble upon rethinking hell? Like, how did you get to that point that you were looking at those these sorts of videos? Yeah, I am not sure of the exact timeline, but as I began to 
seriously question the veracity of eternal conscious torment. They're, they're in close proximity to one another was finding that website. I think I think it was in this order. Uh, that website somehow oh from a friend here in the area who had pointed it, me to it, and then a book by a brother here in the United States, I believe in St. Louis, named Brian Zond, who wrote a book called Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God, which is a, a response to Jonathan Edwards' you know, classic sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, and talks about the fire lapping at you and the torment and the torture. So Brian Zond wrote this book called Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God that was very instrumental in moving me along in the paradigm shift and um, rethinking hell. And then... Uh, somehow found the Hell Project. Um, I, so those three together were very instrumental in bringing me all the way onto the soil of uh, conditional immortality. And that's the key. That nobody, yep. until somebody's born again of the Spirit, they're dead in their sin. Mm. They're not alive spiritually. And the, the holy the equation of born once, die twice, born twice, die once, only physically. And so, yeah, those three, uh, Rethinking Hell, uh, Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God, and, and this uh, YouTube channel, big part of, of helping me uh, get clarity. Uh, I really appreciate being a part of that journey really is is quite um an encouragement and um for those who on yeah set out about a year ago on this project and just um yeah i'm glad that these these are a resource for people to come across that um yeah uh, so in all of that i mean i imagine you've, you've already talked a bit about the sort of blowback that you've got from uh yeah from from friends people that um Fellow pastors, yep. uh, brothers and sisters from over the years since I became a Christian in '82. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so what was it? Maybe just summarize, if you can. What What was it that you posted that that drew this sort of feedback um, that you're you're going in the wrong direction? the The original post uh, was just my. Uh, uh, embryonic attempt to articulate why and what what i may share here and whatever is 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 a thoughtful reasoned prayerful um attempt one last time unsolicited to help people who might for whatever reason or hopefully those who know me and hopefully for whatever reason would love me and and want the best for me care for me pray for me for them to understand why i am convinced that the scriptures teach that uh, the fate of, the, of, of those whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life is eternal death. Yep. And uh, that created uh, another, another you know, good brother, uh, and I was just with him a couple weeks ago, passing the area. He, uh, you know, he challenged me publicly on it. Privately, after I posted it publicly on Facebook, saying you as a pastor should not be posting this stuff on Facebook, and um, so that was part of the initial uh, yikes. This is a hot topic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And well, if a pastor can't post this kind of stuff, 
what, what, what I do wonder what what makes people come up with ideas like that. Well, I think for this particular brother, it's because he convinced he is convinced that this that it is a it's a slam dunk that eternal conscious torment is the fate of the wicked the unregenerate and that in fact on their website i checked it out on their website it says uh, uh, uh eternal conscious torment i believe that phrase is there right, uh, so eternal yeah so that's part of their doctrine as it were right okay so of course um yeah so i i don't I, I'm just acknowledging that that's, that's undoubtedly the reason why he didn't want me to cause confusion. And my response was, brother, I'm not trying to cause confusion. I'm just being honest about the struggle and where I am and how I got here. And uh, again, I, I think I mentioned that the, the biggest question is, what's the truth? What does the Bible say? Is it possible we're wrong? All the, from the Reformation, I'm not saying I feel like, you know, but but it's like, I, I don't see this the same way anymore. I don't believe this is what the Bible says, though a lot of people around me embrace this. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's kind of go through through that then. So you started your journey and you've, you've, sh you've shared it. Well, how, how long between starting the journey and sharing on Facebook would, would you say that, that was? Was that a couple of years or was that? Oh, no. It was... Uh, probably six, seven months. Right, okay. When yeah. I really began to see, like, this seems too good to be true, but it's too great to be missed. Like, yeah. for real? And the, and I mentioned the cognitive dissonance, and I mentioned that in the note I wrote. It's like, no, 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 this can't be, this can't be, this can't be, this is, this is, this is, this is. And... Um, there's a there's a different kind of peace that some people would say I'm deceived and it's a false peace, and uh, it's like no no no. And yeah. there are reasons. There are reasons. Faith has its reasons. Mm -hmm. oh, and I I do recommend when people are engaging with this topic, do to take time and to engage because it it is amazing how ingrained the ideas of eternal conscious torment are, yeah. and how the the it's not necessarily hell is ingrained in every other doctrine but you tie in god's judgment across mm -hmm. the board so whenever you hear god's judgment or eternal life or perish you've in taken that on board to actually mean ongoing torment in hell so whenever you hear people and, and so to unpick that language that is just driven in that every time you hear death you're qualifying is it spiritual is it physical every time you hear perish it's well that just means you're perishing eternally <laughs> right, and, right 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 and so my empathy i find it a struggle because those words mean what they mean <laughs> and i use yeah. them as as they should mean and no longer qualify yeah. them but mm. it's going back to the, the beginning of this journey for for m myself as well it took my my friend telling me what does parish mean for me to start recognizing that actually this is a, a, bibl a biblical and um, has a lot of scriptural backing that I don't need to be afraid of it. 
I don't need to be afraid of wrestling with it. And if it is a slam dunk case, we should be able to explore it and we should be able to rethink it because obviously if we're digging into scripture, it should be so obvious. Mm. Um, and and I think and I've, I've had a couple arguments. Someone else on YouTube recently posted um, there's just a live short two answer thing a part part of their wider live stream on annihilationism and they got so much wrong they even said that immortality is not living forever <laughs> so they had to redefine redefine immortality to to get to the point of eternal conscious torment and when, when you you've got pastors doing that and you just you want to just pick the screen up and go no <laughs> right. it's it's yeah. perish <laughs> let's, let's yes. let the words speak for themselves so right. I, i'm in, interested so over that time you you said um, just phrases like "without Jesus, we're all dead." Thing, things like that have have stood out to you. But what are the strongest arguments uh, for conditions? Maybe maybe just two. What what are the two things that you go to now that really highlight how solid a biblical basis this position has? Well, the particular scriptures, um, like "Is this hiding in plain sight?" In John three sixteen, of course, mm. which uses the word perish. Matthew seven thirteen and fourteen, which uses the word destruction, and Romans six twenty three, which uses the word death. And then, in the scriptures themselves, uh, hell itself, with the connotation of eternal conscious torment, the words that are used for hell. Um, it's interesting in the King James Bible, the King James and the New King James are the only English, modern English translations, New King James Modern, that has the word hell in the Old Testament. Uh, you know, ESV, NIV, the word hell is in the Old Testament. It's always rendered Sheol, abode of the dead. And then in the New Testament with uh, Hades and and uh, and, and uh, Tartarus, however that's pronounced, and then Gehenna, uh, you know, Gehenna, a, a literal place where there was a literal fire, where the offering of children of the Moloch and and then garbage and then people and criminals uh, burned. I was I looked out on that when I was in Israel three years ago. That that outside of the south south side of Jerusalem, and um, the fact that eternal conscious torment, the reality of eternal conscious torment, is it is it mentioned or even hinted at? in the entirety of the Old Testament, in the entirety of the book of Acts, in the writings of uh, Paul and Peter and Hebrews, you can't find anything that even hints at eternal conscious torment and, and, the, and the image of the fire burning and consuming. Um, uh, but yeah, the, I guess the verses that uh, oh, and and Second uh, Timothy one ten that he grants immortality, and that 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 in John three sixteen you won't perish but have everlasting life. The implication being you don't currently have it until until you believe and trust in that way, and what we would call being born again. Um, it's further up in that chapter where he's talking to Nicodemus one on one conversation from which we get that John three sixteen. So. And yeah, that just the the, and then the, then the issue that it makes no sense for these words to to have to drag the blanket of eternal conscious torment over the words of perish and death and destruction. 
that that you you put on it or you put into it something that's not a mile within the verse. And so that's been a big part of, of being able to stand stronger in this. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've just, um, yeah, that's really good. I've just <laughs> probably messed up the recording slightly. Um, I, I realized that some of the colors on, on the screen coming through are a little bit... Um, I was trying to put a filter on it, and so I think I made you go green at one point by accident. Oh, so. I don't have a little nose and things off my eyebrows, big ears or anything, so, so I yeah. had that kind of filter. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it in there, but those uh, oh, catching up with this, that was me uh, changing the colours, not Dan's webcam. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that's all right. But So you've got... Yes. I mean, that That's a huge thing for for me as well with, with the, the scriptures, the Romans 620... Um, 2023 john 3:16 all all of those sorts of things absolutely agree and i do also forget how often you need to go back to the language of hades sheol gehenna um and again the the lack of research into what gehenna is the fact that it wasn't a rubbish dump things like that are just repeated um over and over and over again and, and that there was no cut, there was no no connectivity to Gehenna mm. of eternal conscious torment. No. no. And that's the word Jesus used. Yeah. Um I I do if you if you don't mind, I I will because this sums up I the, the gist of, of approaching this mm. uh yeah, in light of it. what we've been saying. Let me just read the little bit a little bit of what I wrote, again pastorally in my attempt yeah. to uh declare this, define this. And then just leave that be. Here's what I wrote in the last Facebook unsolicited note for my friends uh, for whatever uh, they want to do with it. Yep, see. When we, so what I wrote was, when we bring the most honest hermeneutic we can to the scriptures, being committed to let them speak to us rather than us telling them what we think they say, that's when we find ourselves more able to discover what the truth truly is. No matter how long any individual, church, or religious organization has believed anything, it, it doesn't make it right or mean it's true. I remember the cognitive dissonance with which I wrestled as I began questioning eternal conscious torment. As I've continued to read and study the Bible, being honest about what never seemed compatible with believing that love and justice would allow for, let alone require, eternal conscious torment, it's come down to this. Doesn't inviting someone who never asked to exist to consider and respond to the good news communicated and confirmed in the gospel and person of Jesus Christ, all the while having to include the reality of eternal conscious torment in a fiery hell if they refuse his gift of eternal life, doesn't that create its own cognitive dissonance? God is good and he is love and in his image he created every human being who was, is, and will ever be. Yet, the overwhelming majority of humanity will be tormented, if not tortured eternally, where even once, yes, once, and this is what I said a moment ago, in the entirety of the Old Testament or the books of Acts, book of Acts or any of the letters written by Paul, Peter, or James, the reference where he speaks about the tongue like hell, that has nothing to do with eternal conscious torment. Does hinting, hinting at it even appear? Is never-ending experiential torment the fate of everyone who never finds and follows Christ. If it isn't, and someone's rejecting God because of it, then it's not God they're rejecting, but a distorted and disfigured caricature of him. There is no doubt whatsoever 
that the misinterpretation of Scripture leads to the misrepresentation of God. While some will say that's exactly what I'm doing here concerning this, obviously I would beg to differ. The bottom line is that I'm trying to expose as clearly as I can that which I've come to see is an absolutely humongous misunderstanding concerning immortality being something anyone has who has not yet received the gift of eternal life in Christ. And so... Amen. <laughs> so good. It's, it's well, so, and maybe so maybe uh, I, I can post this on my the whole thing on my page, or maybe you can put it on this video somehow, the, the text of what I wrote in the whole letter. Yeah, I'll add it to the description. Uh, if you send it okay. through into Messenger, I'll, I'll add it below. Okay. I think that's yeah, so important to to recognize the, the heart behind it as well. We, we Absolutely. We want to engage with Scripture, and I, I find it... I find it odd, but very common with the, at least with the hell debate. In in other debates, you you may get a little bit more back and forth. Let's look at the scripture and let's see how we get to this conclusion. But as soon mm -hmm. as you start saying, "Well, I'm wrestling with the the verses of hellfire. I'm wrestling with the verses of of destruction and hell," and I, I don't I don't see where uh, eternal hell <laughs> comes in. Um, right. you, you do get this sort of kickback that I've not experienced in any other doctrine. Um, mm -hmm. And I, mean, I may be wrong with that. I, I know that Calvin, Calvinism and Arminianism can uh, get heated, and I'm, I know why young earth creationism versus evolution can get heated. But in, in this, mm -hmm. it just seems that there's an extra level of, of heat uh, no pun intended in that. <laughs> I know, it's ironic. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. When, when engaging with the doctrine of hell, and, and this is also why, or maybe because it's in, involving death and we have a natural embarrassment to death, maybe it's involving the death of the wicked, potentially the, the death of loved ones. It is a sensitive topic. Well, but there, there's, yeah. there's something on this that if, if Christians are really going to believe Christianity to be true, we have to get this right. <laughs> we have to recognize what Scripture says, um, what some might consider warts and all. And and I think we need to um, yeah, dig deep and, and, and wrestle with these, these pieces of Scripture that um, I think make a, a better view of, of who uh, God is than, than someone who will torture his creation forever. Um, yeah, brother. So... With 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 that in mind, as as you're going through the journey, so uh, what a what took you six seven months? Why wasn't it like a clear cut? Oh, this is so obvious. Why didn't I think of this before? Uh, um, and maybe well, think... you've kind of answered it, but yeah, I'd be interested in what what kind of what were the strong arguments that took a while to to figure out answers to. I don't. I I think it goes back to what you said earlier about it being so. In, in, ingrained, entrenched, uh, mm. deeply pressed in. It, it wasn't when 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 it clicked uh, that there was a, a sense of that something a line was crossed, and I realized I truly believe the Bible says that hell is eternal. In its impact and result, not in its in its experience, and that that's when I posted that thing. But as far as the six or seven months when I, I yeah, I guess I first came across rethinking hell, and and uh, I will say that sinners in the hands of a loving God 
kind of pushed me in my back <laughs> down the road a little more than even perusing that website. And then again, your YouTube channel, this YouTube channel, um, it, I don't know why, but it was just, I, I, as I think back to it, I think it was about a six or seven month thing after. And I do remember my friend I mentioned earlier, we were sitting at a local Panera. It's a, a restaurant chain here. Um, and somehow or another, I brought it up and he's like, I can't you know, like we were both like well, I can't believe we're talking about this because this is where this is where I think I'm heading to or this is what I'm thinking I believe too that this is what the Bible says. Wow. So I don't know I don't know Phil it was just all just kind of uh, maybe it was like those six or seven months we're putting the ingredients together and popping it in the oven and then that day came when boom out, out of the oven came there well, goes. you know this like, <laughs> I'm I'm quite convinced this is what the Bible says mm. and one of the other things I wrote I, I'm just looking at it and I'll highlight it because it's pertinent to this. One of the things I wrote is, may we always, if because if we're not willing to do this, then we'll be like the guy who said, there's nothing to rethink. Mm. May we always be willing to say I was wrong about anything and anyone, including God and the Bible, whenever the need to do so arises. So you can't become a Christian unless you can say I was wrong. Yep. I was wrong about God. I was wrong about me. I was wrong about the Bible. Mm -hmm. I've been wrong. And even as Christians, then... If, if, if we as God's children are not willing to say, I was wrong, then we are just cemented in a place where there will never be any growth or change. Mm -hmm. and, and again, concerning an issue of this severity, mm -hmm. it really does merit the willingness to at least acknowledge, I could be wrong. And if you find yourself saying that, you too might find yourself saying, I now, I now believe I was wrong. And I'm quite sure this is what the Bible says. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And here's why. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. So, yeah, the for me, the journey was probably more tradition as well. The, the digging out of words of every time you see mm -hmm. eternal punishment, uh, it took it took a while. Am I changing the word eternal? Am I uh, redefining things to fit? I think there's there's always that doubt, isn't there? Because well, partly because that's that's the argument against uh, conditional mortality is that you're you're changing words to fit a preconceived idea. And the more that I saw that that was actually the stronger argument against eternal conscious torment. <laughs> um, yeah. But it does take a while to unpick eternal and when eternal punishment, well, it's like eternal inheritance. You, you, you gain it once, but the inheritance is eternal and eternal mm. destruction. You're destroyed once and the impact is eternal. Eternal mm. punishment, well, you're punished once and the impact is eternal destruction. And I, I strung out a phrase on uh, Twitter the other day that the, the eternal punishment is eternal destruction in eternal fire, which leaves it to ash, corpse, or dust, as it is yes, in Genesis. Yes, I saw that. Three. Mm -hmm. And um, when you use the biblical language as the biblical language and you put mm -hmm. them all together, it makes a very convincing case for conditional immortality. But <laughs> but absolutely but you have revelation 2010 which says torment forever and ever and therefore that is the defeater apparently um mm -hmm. so i mean that that is to be flippant it is a big uh verse to to get your head round but i think we we must allow scripture to speak for itself 
and to recognize that the most symbolic book of the Bible references the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, we find the language of smoke going up forever and ever, and it's Edom, and it's still it's not burning. And so we've we've got something going on there that doesn't mean as plain a reading as we'd like. Exactly, so. exactly, brother. And the, and again, it goes back to in this note that we'll maybe post here about. Uh, well, I did mention to bring an honest hermeneutic and to and to differentiate. Mm in ways that you need to concerning the scripture itself, its purpose, when it was written, to whom it was written, and what's being addressed. And understanding that all of that is a part, is a part of, of proper exegesis and, and, and appropriately interpreting. Um, any text out of context becomes a pretext for a proof text. <laughs> I and like that one, yeah. I, I do always too. stumble over trying to say that. <laughs> I've said it so many times, I guess, but... And I need to keep reminding myself of, of mm-hmm. that, 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 uh, this is, this is, people, pe- people say the Bible says stuff it doesn't say. Mm-hmm. And you said earlier about how am I, am, am I changing this word when the reality is whatever the word is that God spoken is meant to change me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's changing me. It's bringing me into this uh, awareness of this reality that, also just makes more sense yeah yeah again one of the philosophical issues that i i've struggled with and i think i mentioned it with what i said before i didn't ask to exist i get one life to receive or reject jesus and if i reject the the one who came to rescue me he he then expresses hatred towards me and tortures me forever and keeps me alive to just keep causing pain that has no redemptive value. Mm. This is not going to change a thing. No. And um, yeah, so it's an important discussion. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So out of this, it's been a little while since you posted that. Um, what has changed in... In your walk, why is this such a big thing for you? Um, yeah, what kind of what kind of areas has, has this brought new light into? Uh, what other doctrines potentially? I'm just just interested. What what has changed? Certainly, the awareness that I need to be open to any question. You know. The truth isn't afraid of anything. The truth will welcome any scrutiny. Nothing can destroy it. Nothing can tear it down. Nothing can change it. The truth always wins its argument. And so I guess it's it's given me a greater confidence in the veracity and the authority of God's word. And then, you know, I guess across the board, maybe if, if a, a picture that comes to mind is like if there are love nuts on a tire, like, uh, you know, that hell is an eternal conscious torment, that grace really is amazing, and you want to tighten all these things down. Um, and, and you can do that when you approach the scriptures to let them tell you what all of these things are. I don't know if I'm answering your question the way you asked it, but that, no, that's fun. That's good. Yeah, a, a greater confidence in God's word that it. it it can be trusted. It, it can stand any test, any scrutiny, any attack, uh, any mocking. Uh, that that uh, his word endures forever. Mm-hmm. 
and that's I'm guess I'm holding on to it in a more confident way mm. uh, with the clarity of this you know revelation concerning hell being what the Bible says it is, which isn't what a lot of the people have been telling me it is. Yeah, yeah. This can sound so arrogant, but it's undeniable. And, and I think, for, for me, that's also what took me a while to come around, is it? A lot of heroes of mine, including my my father, <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you've got big thinkers like C.S. Lewis, Tim Keller, um, they're continually teaching this idea of eternal torment. Although Tim Keller's view and C.S. Lewis' view isn't this traditional view of medieval torture and torment. So even their view is a little bit different from what uh, historic Christianity might well have, have taught. Um, certainly what Jonathan Edwards taught in Sinners of in the Hands of an Angry God um, is a very different view. So it's interesting to call it the traditional view, I suppose, when mm. even, even in that sense, this idea of separation from God, um, a place where God isn't, which isn't biblical, <laughs> um, just all, all that kind of uh, language, uh, the, the, the door locked from the inside, um, all, all that sort of stuff, mm. while allowing for conversation with potentially non-believers and skeptics isn't mm -hmm. really what the Bible says about eternal fire coming from a consuming fire who is God and needing a savior because there's something within us that cannot be in God's presence. Um, and, and so mm. all of that is, um, yeah, I, I do find that conditional immortality just makes so much more sense. And, and so one thing that I don't, I don't know if I've, I've mentioned this before on this channel or even to you, Dan, but the, what I do when I read books that are, that touch on the topic of hell is I count how many old Testament Bible verses they reference. And mm. the the vast majority of books that teach the traditional torment view, um, mm. even even books that are systematic like Wayne Grudem's, yeah. will yes, have yes. maybe one or two verses in the Old Testament, and they're not actually to do about. They don't even use Hades or Sheol. Um, exactly. They they generally yeah. will reference something like Ecclesiastes twelve that talks about eternity in in our hearts to reference immortality in the soul. Um, and so that's, that's just uh, an added bonus for anyone listening. Do do look into that. And whereas conditional immortality and the idea that God's presence consumes, well, that's all over the Old Testament. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's that's definitely something for me. It is a as you say, a confidence in in the Word of God, but the whole whole testimony of God, the whole mm -hmm. revelation mm -hmm. from Genesis to Revelation. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah. De definitely agree agree with you on that and that strength of that. Um, is there was there anything else in in aside from on the the truth and and trusting God's word? Was it was there anything else that you feel that's changed in even your relationship to God and and, and anything like that, or, or was it was that the main thing that comes to mind? E well, definitely. A greater comfort in not having to hold on to 
when I, when I first, in fact, when I first posted it, the very first thing on Facebook all that while ago, I'm not sure when that was, um, one of the, there was this picture of a guy with a ball and chain on his foot and the top above the guy. In fact, I'll send that picture. Maybe you can put it on this above the picture is Christ follower mm -hmm. and the ball is and the ball and chain is the doctrine of eternal conscious torment. Mm -hmm. So I, so I've been walking in my, uh, walking in my relationship with the Lord, dragging this, this uh, teaching of eternal conscious torment that just never fit, mm -hmm. never made sense, and yet people around me, I, I think a while ago we mentioned there's a, a may have, I think it's starting in the United States, but I think there's expressions of it over there in England, of uh, heaven's gates and hell's flames as a as a Halloween oh, yeah. outreach, yeah. heaven's gates and hell's flames. And so, yeah, and a big part, I didn't mention this yet at the beginning of this journey was the story of a guy who said, you know, every summer these, these kids would go to Bible camp, summer camp, and every Friday would be the, you know, come to Jesus thing. And, and they'd start a fire and give everybody a stick and say, this stick is your life. And, and now do you want to spend forever in Jesus in heaven? Or do you want your, do you want your life to be thrown in that fire and just burn forever? Well, what kid, you know, is not going to say, "I don't want to burn forever." But even even that image, the, the stick burns, exactly. <laughs> and it is burned up, and and that is not the gospel. Um, no. And I I mentioned Acts. If uh, you would think if this if this was a reality that it would have popped somewhere into Paul's preaching in Acts chapter two, yep. uh, you know, at its worst distillation, turn or burn, fly or fry, get right or get left, mm -hmm. and um, no, 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 no. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God is is uh, He loved the world so much mm -hmm. that He gave His one and only Son. So whoever believes in Him would never perish but live forever. For He didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be saved. And uh, it's much more beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's it for me. And that's, that's why I've created, created this channel, and I've said it before. That yes, it, it's, a, it's a harsh alternative to, to be... like. I don't think annihilation softens punishment in, in any shape or form. Absolutely not. Um, it is still extraordinarily serious, but... If you reject life, what alternative is there? <laughs> and the weeping and gnashing, the weeping and gnashing of teeth that will accompany when someone is when the dead who are not in Christ are raised, and then they realize, I missed him, mm. and I missed it. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it's forever. It's forever, and it's, it's still it, that is still a terrible thing to lose out on the eternal life with God in new creation that we were made for. That is a, that is a terrible thing, mm. but it's not this alternative where we've got to have our minds wiped. So we don't think of the lost being tormented forever by the same God that we worship. Good it's, point. A, it's a God who welcomes all that want him Mm -hmm. But those who try and get him on their own terms will mm -hmm. lose out because they mm -hmm. can't. They can't make themselves good enough without Christ to come into his presence. Right. And uh, and that refining fire will remove everything from them. Um, mm -hmm. And again, it is a, a terrible thing, but it means that grace is through Christ and 
that there is, I would even suggest, potentially some room for those who have not heard the gospel mm-hmm. as it was intended to be passed. They will see God mm-hmm. and they will have an opportunity to reject or accept him. Even I, I think there might be. <laughs> I think that, I, of that, course, I, I, I would concur with you. And all we can do is speculate. Yeah. We can't be sure about anything God hasn't clearly told us. Yeah. But that does make sense. Yeah. Absolutely. But the Concerning... way to be certain is through Christ, through faith in Christ. And he, he's the... The hazmat suit <laughs> that protects us from God's fire. Well, there you go. There, there you go. go. There you go. Yeah, man. Well, super good talking with you. And I Absolutely. really appreciate our friendship and that I got to meet you. This is such an honor. And uh, and uh, just grateful for whatever's ahead. I hope you and I keep spurring one another on to love and good deeds. Amen. Uh, it's so good to chat. And it has been a long time coming. And we've had a good couple of chats. And uh, yeah, yeah, well... Might do it again soon, sometime, and uh, you're more than welcome on this channel. And um, it's so good to, yeah, so good to do this. So I'll, I'll finish up there, and um, yeah, for those watching, uh, thanks for watching. Uh, when you do watch it, and feel free to subscribe. Feel free to send questions, comments. I do react, interact with the channel. I don't post as much as I once did, but you can find more content uh, for more topics and more guests on, on a wide range of things uh, at Critical Witness uh, which is another channel I run with another Dan um, mm. and uh, do f- subscribe there as well so thanks for watching and have a good rest of your day thank you for listening and I want to know what you think do you get in touch as I said at the beginning of this podcast you can do that through uh, Twitter or my YouTube channel, but I also have the scripts and free resources and other studies that I'm continuing to engage with at uh, thehellproject.online. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support the channel and uh, the show in any way, please do go into the description of this episode and you can find a PayPal link. Otherwise, I do this all for free and I hope you found it helpful. God bless you. See you later.